Shalom, brothers and sisters. Shalom. Shalom. We have a detailed lesson today that will be called Sober-Minded in an Inebriated World or an Intoxicated World. Today's lesson uh, will be to aid brothers and sisters in constructing a firm foundation in order to be anchored mentally. <clears throat> so we're going to start in Isaiah 33 and 6. Because some people ask, usually, typically, you come to the truth, your understanding, your new consciousness, and say, where do I start in this relationship with the Most High? Where do I start? Let's read Isaiah 33 and 6. Isaiah 33, verse 6. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. Read that one more time. Verse 6. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. The stability of thy times, the wisdom and knowledge that we obtain in this time will guide us. The biblical, this biblical training that you guys are you know, dealing with, especially when you you first get the truth, you you're learning at a you know at a high rate, higher than you've ever learned before, and you're just running. So now that training will come into use during these last days. It'll be worth more than gold. It'll be worth more than money. Those will have money, but they won't know where to go. They don't know what's getting ready to transpire in history. So. Stability will come from your knowledge, your wisdom of the Most High God. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Right. And those who have the money and who are affluent, they will be used to look out for those who have the knowledge. So if you don't, have, you have the knowledge, but you don't have the finances then the Most High is going to provide somebody to give you the finances because you have the knowledge. So you can teach, you can tell people, okay, well, this is what we got to do, or this is what we have to celebrate, or this is what his name is. So the stability will come from your knowledge, brothers and sisters. This is where you start, getting your knowledge of your wisdom of the Most High. How do you please Him? This is how you start off a relationship with the Most High. Let's go to Psalms 119 and 104. Psalms 119 and 104. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lump unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right. So through the precepts, we get understanding. We know here little, there little, line to line. That's how you read the Bible. Why? Because it's in dark sentences. So that's why we jump around a lot in the Bible. And that's how you get understanding. So the first thing you want to do is, you know, as starting this relationship with the Most High God is start to learn. Get your wisdom up. Start to read your Bible precepts or scriptures. Start to learn your scriptures. Start to reread things that you already know. Why? Because every time I read, uh, for instance, Deuteronomy six, I get something new from it. Because our, you know, what we get from a, uh, a particular passage comes from what? It comes from experience. It comes from time. It comes from 
uh, having higher knowledge. So with all of that changing, you get a better understanding every time you read something. So brothers and sisters, the first thing you want to do is start to read your Bible. First thing, get a relationship. Why? Because, because why? Because if, think about it, if there's two sons or two daughters and one of the daughters or one of the sons don't want to listen to the father, then he'll deal with the other son. He'll give him the son that wants to listen, all the knowledge, all the understanding, because the other son just be like, dad, get, get out of here. I, I got things to do. So it's the same way with the most high. If you want to follow him and love him, he'll come to you and give you understanding that, you know, another brother or sister will open up the Bible, read the same exact passage and get a completely different understanding because the spirit is not working with them. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 104. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Right. So you must, you know, you must continue to learn and read and use your precepts. That means jumping, you know, from here to there, because that's how the Bible is meant to be written. If you read it like a novel, you will be confused. It's not meant to be read like a novel. Now that you have the understanding of who you are in the book, Jew or Gentile, it should be a little bit easier to put yourself in that realm. So you, what you have to realize is, you know, make that decision. Which son are you or which daughter are you? Are you the one that are, wants to hear what your father has to say about business and how to take over and how to run things? Or are you the other one? Because that's going to determine you having understanding when you get the precepts. That's the whole deal, brothers and sisters. Remember, he said, I love those who love me. And if you love me, keep my commandments. So he will make himself known and open up your mind to have the understanding of what's going on in scriptures. We're going to go to Second Chronicles 1 and 11 because we want to talk about Solomon. Now, those who, those who know the Bible or who have some level of history concerning the Bible in regards to the Bible know that the Most High spoke to Solomon in told him he would give him anything that he wanted. I'm going to give you an opportunity, Solomon. Anything you ask for, I will give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for to have every sneaker or every girl's number. He asked for wisdom to say why. I need wisdom to judge your people because your people are so peculiar. They're so special that I want to I want to judge them righteously, so I need wisdom. Let's see. Let's read Second uh, Chronicles one and oh, excuse me, Second Chronicles one and eleven. Sorry about that. Second Chronicles one verse eleven, and God said to Solomon, because this was in thine heart. And thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king. Right, so this is what you get first. Solomon is no different than you and I. This is the way it works, brothers and sisters. Solomon understood the most intriguing, intimate, meticulous Workings of all things, plants, geometry, astronomy, oceanography. He knew he had wisdom above any person that have ever walked the earth, brothers and sisters. He asked for wisdom. 
Because the Most High will give you what you want if you're doing it for Him. So if you're doing the work and you need a nice new car and it's going to help assist your work, then that's how you get it. That's how you get it. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king. Right, so these are the same steps that can be taken by any child of the Most High God. His focus was in line with the Most High. That's why he got what he wanted. That's why. Continue, brother. Verse 12. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of, of the kings have had that have been before thee. Neither shall there any after thee have, have the like. Right, so... With the wisdom came the wealth, came the understanding. People would travel hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles just to come and speak to him because he knew about astrology. A lot of these other nations traveled to speak with this man. Remember, the Most High said, "Knowledge will be the stability of your times. That's what's going to get you. That's going to be your money. Your money is actually going to be your knowledge of what's transpiring in the world." Because why? The one, one thing we must do is, what? Uh, understand our path and then go ask the Most High to facilitate us on that path to doing His work. Then He'll give you what you need. He'll give you what you need and what you want to some degree. As long as it's not going to affect you doing the work. In a decline at least. It should be an incline. Everything we get, if you use it to do the work in some fashion, that's how you keep it. But if the Most High give you something, a car, house, or whatever it may be, and then you think you're on, so you know what, now I can ease off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Got the car. I got the house now. Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip this out. If I did it all year last year, and then you lose it. Yeah. Because you thought, so we got to be very, we, we got to be very crystal clear. And, you know, follow the laws to its fullest extent, brothers and sisters. We need to start spiritually prioritizing. Because why? No matter how big the house is, you can only live, sleep in one bed in one room at a time. No matter how big the house is. So wisdom, brothers and sisters, that's what we should look for. Look how to please the Most High. A lot of times we fill ourselves with uh, what you would call consumerism. In order to fill a void of what we may be missing spiritually. Let's go to Proverbs 1 and 7. Because once you have the wisdom, you know, once you, once you have the truth, you want to know your purpose. But you need to have wisdom to know your purpose. So you can, you need to have wisdom so you can under, you can make sure that what your ideology for your life is doesn't conflict with what the most highs is for you. See, that's why you need the knowledge. Because you may be walking away from what he has. Let's read Proverbs 1 and 7 because this is the opposite side of what we just read. Proverbs 1 verse 7. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Read that one more time. The fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right. So the, you fear the Most High. Why? Because you've read of his judgments. That's why. The, the, the judgments that come with scorning his laws. So you've read about that, right? So by fearing him, that's the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of knowledge, brothers and sisters. This system, this society would tell you, you can question God. This is what they teach you in a lot of these uh, universities, what they call universities, which are really paganistic uh, schooling. It's really Satanistic schooling because everything they teach you is to question the Most High God. Whether it's evolution or they're teaching theories all over the place. Their whole, their main purpose is for you to question how creation, you know, how creation came to be. They'll give you all these other theories. You got to be very careful. Are we saying schooling is wrong? Absolutely not. Academia travels across the seas. That's that's a language that everybody speaks. Is academics. What we're saying is, if you are educated, use your education to work for the Most High and pull a brick out of what they have established. And educate and uplift. Because everybody's not going to have that opportunity to get that information. If you do, then you help God's people. And that's not just Israel. That's those who want to do the work. That's what that is, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you don't fear him, you don't have the knowledge of how to please him, brothers and sisters, unfortunately. So what's a fool according to the Bible? Let's go to Psalms 14.1. Fear the Most High is the beginning, brothers and sisters. We're going to Psalms 14 and 1. Psalms 14 verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Read that again. Verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Right. You must be a fool to believe that all of this order and how uniform the earth is and how it's designed just came from a big bang. Read that one more time, brother. Verse one. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that do good. Right. There is none that do good. So an unbeliever cannot receive wisdom and knowledge, brothers and sisters. You're an unbeliever. So no matter how hard you try to read this Bible, you're not going to understand it. Because you haven't been chosen to understand it. You haven't made a relationship with him. You, You don't talk to him. You don't listen to him. You don't follow him. You don't sit at his feet. So you won't have any understanding. We want you to be sober minded. In an intoxicated world, brothers and sisters, the Most High will raise you to be the woman or the man to its fullest extent in him. That's what the Most High will do. And we brought this scripture out specifically because in the so-called conscious community, some of the bunch, the most non-conscious or unconscious people I've ever met. That's they deal with Egyptology and Africanism and blackism and all of that good stuff. They will say, you know, 
They'll question the Most High. They'll question His Word. They'll say, well, this, this information was here before the Bible was established. Which is true, because why? Noah taught all his sons the law. We know he had law before Moses. Why? Because he knew about clean and unclean animals. He was celebrating holy days. So he taught Ham. He taught Shem. He taught Japheth. So there would be some of those people who would follow the law because they got it from Noah. Not just Israel, brothers and sisters. So we needed to show you that only a fool would believe there is no God. A lot of people will switch and say, I can't deal with this Bible because why? There's some, I don't believe in the Bible because there's, there's something in it that they know that they're breaking. So that means they have the knowledge of it because that's why they're not following. <laughs> this, nah, this feels too good. I can't. It's too good. <laughs> this is how they are. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that do good. So somebody who said, anybody who says the Bible isn't real, understand you're dealing with a corrupted, evil, unrepentant sinner. Anybody who who says the Bible's not real, that's what you must know about them. Because why? The Bible is the measurement for how we, you know, we get to know somebody. The Bible's the measurement to know whether you agree with my beliefs. That's the measurement. How can I measure a man or a woman if I don't have the Bible, if I don't have the law? How can I do that? So, without wisdom, without knowledge, you're a fool, according to the Bible. Let's go to Isaiah 29 and 9. Isaiah 29, verse 9. Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. So they stagger, but not with strong drink. This is a spiritual drunkenness, brothers and sisters. This is a spiritual drunkenness. That means their equilibrium is off. You need a spiritual breathalyzer. You're drunk. Drunk off what? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with strong wine. Not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon your spirit. Uh, excuse me. Shalaki. Verse 10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, have, he covered. He closed up the vision. He closed their eyes, which means they have no spiritual understanding. Even the teachers have no, and this is in times past also, had no spiritual understanding whatsoever. Let's go to 1 Samuel 3 and 1. They're drunk, not with wine, but with what? With philosophy. With religion, with tradition. First Samuel three, verse one. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Read that again. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Why was it precious in those days? Oh, there was no open vision. There was no open vision. What does that mean? 
That means the Most High was not dealing with these prophets. That's why the word was precious, because he closed their eyes. He closed the vision. He, he communicated with prophets through visions and dreams, brothers and sisters. But there became a time that we became so sinful that the Most High had to change up how things were done for a time. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. There was no open vision, brothers and sisters. Let's show you what it means. Numbers 12 and 6. We're going to Numbers chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Numbers 12, verse 6. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. And will speak unto him in a dream. Right. He closed up the visions. See. Verse 7. My servant Moses is not so. Who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth. Even apparently. And not in dark speeches. Right. So Moses. He spoke with Moses mouth to mouth. The same way we're speaking right now. Continue brother. Verse 8. With him will I speak mouth to mouth. Even apparently. And not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then were, not, were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Right. So he closed communication, brothers and sisters. That's why the word of God was what? It was precious during that time, which is precious at all times. But it was even more sacred at that time. Let's go to Isaiah 29 and 10. We must be. Sober-minded in this inebriated world. Isaiah 29, verse 10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep. Read that again. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes, the prophets and your rulers, the seers hath he covered. And the vision of all is become unto you as the word of a book that is sealed. The book is sealed, brothers and sisters. The book has become sealed. Because why? Because people have gone off into their own ideology doing whatever it is. They feel like they, their flesh wants them to do. They're not reading their Bibles. They're not learning. They're not respecting the Most High. In fact, they're questioning the Most High. And if they don't change, then they'll just find another God that will accept them. See, and that's what the problem is. That's why people don't like us, brothers and sisters. That's why people don't like this church, because they know we read the Bible as it is written, and we expect those who follow our church, and we, you know, are going to follow every law that we possibly can. And some people, that's too much. They need to find somewhere that will accept them for them, which means they do whatever it is that they don't want to put down. That's okay. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. And the vision of all is become unto you as the word, as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he, has, he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. So they gave it to a learned man, and he could not understand it. He couldn't read, which means what? He was spiritually drunk. He couldn't get understanding. He could read it, but he couldn't get that deeper knowledge of it. Continue, brother. Verse 12, and the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he said, I am not learned. 
Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth. Read that part again. Verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. See, so our people, this is specifically Israel, claim that we love God. We pray to God, but we don't follow anything he says and we don't listen. As soon as we're done asking him for what we want, we get up. We don't even listen. We go right into what we need, what we want, then you get off your knees and go. What about the listening part? What about how does he have a chance to answer you? Do you sometimes just sit there and be quiet? See if he say something to you, maybe? That's that's how we need to be, brothers and sisters. He would put out a vial of deep sleep on on not only our elders, but the majority of the world, brothers and sisters. And this drunkenness have befallen the entire world. We're going to show you that. Go to Revelation 17 and 1. To show you that spiritual drunkenness have now spread globally, internationally. Revelation 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven which had the seven vials, and talked with him with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Right, that great whore, the Bible calls it a whore. Verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now, this is the Roman Empire, brothers and sisters. It says the whore that sitteth on many waters. Why? Because they have bases on many waters. That's what this is saying. It says, who have committed fornication. Read verse 2 again, brother. Verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Right. See, drunk with that wine, brothers and sisters, that religion, that philosophy, that tradition. Right. So this is how to stay sober, not only physically, but spiritually in a world full of drunkenness. We're going to first Peter five and eight. First Peter five, verse eight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Right. So it says, read that one more time, brother. Verse eight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Right. So not only physically, but spiritually, we need to practice sobriety. A, a, a physical and spiritual soberness. See? Because why? The only way to combat the devil is to be obedient. That's how you combat the devil, brothers and sisters. And he's he's roaming to see whom he may devour spiritually. That's all his that's his that's his whole makeup is to see who he can take down. That's fun to him. That's entertainment, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Right, right. So the temptation that you get is the same temptation that everybody else get, that the sister in China get, that the brother in New Mexico get. These are all the same. You're not being tempted. To a higher degree than anybody else, brothers and sisters. You're not dealing with the first temptation of its kind. 
we all dealing with the same thing, brothers and sisters. And use that as encouragement. Because if your brothers and sisters can make it, then you can hold on a little bit longer too. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 to prove to you that temptations are universal. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. There had no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. Right. So there you haven't been tempted with something that is not common to man. So every temptation you've gone through. Trust me. We've gone through it. Your forefathers. Your foremothers have gone through it. Those in the Bible have gone through it. Read that one more time brother. Verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above ye are able, but will with temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear. So he will never give you too much temptation of where you're going to collapse. The Most High is not looking to have you sink. He will always have a spirit with us to guide us and maneuver us from the wiles of the devil. There will always be a way out. You just have to take it. There will be a way out. And that's something you must remember. So when you are being attacked or when you are dealing with something of that in that regard, that you know that you're able to take it. Because why? Because the Most High said he wouldn't give you too much. So if you're going through it, then clearly you can take it. You can take it. Let's go to James 4, verse 7. James 4 and 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Read that one more time. Verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right. So we must submit ourselves. That's how you combat the devil. Submit yourself and the devil will flee. Resist the devil by submitting yourself to Christ, to the Most High. That's how you win, brothers and sisters. That's how you win. We must be sober-minded in an intoxicated world, brothers and sisters. Because why? Because the devil is on the prowl, looking to whom he may catch slipping on a banana peel. (laughs) So we have to be ready, brothers and sisters, at all times. All times. Let's go to 1 Peter 1 and 13. First Peter 1 and 13. Wherefore, gird, it, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Of your mind, brothers and sisters. Continue. Be sober and hope to, end, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Christ. Now, notice it said, gird up your, the loins of your mind. Then it said, be sober. You need to be spiritually sober, brothers and sisters. Also, physically. But in this in this particular case, you need to be spiritually sober. You need to practice. We need to practice spiritual uh, spiritual soberness and physical soberness. Because it's hard to think when you <laughs> dealing with all of that, the cares of the world. The same way, when you're drinking alcohol, it's too much. You're not. Your equilibrium's off. You can't stand. You don't really. Uh, 
comprehend what's transpiring. It's too much. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Christ. Right. So we must always be in readiness of mind. And we have an example. You remember that when we were in Egypt and we were having to eat the Passover and then run in haste, gird up your loins, they told us, to be ready because after the Passover, at midnight, the angel is going to go over and, you know, persecute the children without the blood on the door, and you're going to have to leave quickly. They're going to put you out quickly. You have to go. So in that same fashion, let us show you. Let's go to Exodus 12, and I think it's, let's start at 11. Exodus 12 and 11. To show you, this this is a spiritual act of the physical in which we did in, the, in history. Exodus 12, verse 11. And thus shall ye eat it. With your loins girded. With your loins girded. The purpose of a girdle. Continue. Your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Right. Eat in haste. Be ready. Must be. We must be mentally prepared at all times for an attack, for a barrage. For, for a barrage. Because that's where it comes. That's how it comes. You must always be ready. Never, never put your guard down. Always take your opponent serious. That opponent that you don't take serious is the one that knocks you down. So we must be very disciplined, brothers and sisters, and to stay away from the spiritual drunkenness and the physical drunkenness. Verse 12. Uh, yeah, actually, we're going to go back to 1 Peter. We're going to go back to 1 Peter 13 and 14. Excuse me. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 13 and 14. 1 Peter 1 and 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Christ. Right. The end is salvation, everlasting life. So have all readiness of mind because Satan is, you know, on the prowl of whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant, physically and spiritually, brothers and sisters, until salvation. Continue. Verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Right, the former lust. So we dealt in sinful acts before your new consciousness. We did things that we didn't know were wrong. Sometimes we knew it was wrong. So we must put, not. don't turn back to those former lusts. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust. In your ignorance. Right. The former lust. Now we show you what those former lusts were. First Corinthians six and nine. First Corinthians six verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves. Now, nor these are, brothers and sisters, these are works of unrighteousness. Re read that scripture one more time, the first one, brother, nine. Verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters. Adulterers. So what's adultery? What's adultery? 
we know that they, there's the physical act of adultery, which is when a man deals with another man's wife or vice versa. But there's a spirit, there's there's a deeper meaning for adultery that Christ brought. Let's see. Let's check it out. Let's see what true adultery is. Matthew 5 and 27. Because Christ came to perfect the law. Let us show you what true adultery is. Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. Matthew 5, verse 27. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, what you have to re realize is that the purpose of the law was to give us knowledge of the sin. But Christ brought the truth concerning that law. So the law was just so you could have the understanding to see when there was a sin or when there was a snare. But Christ came to bring us the truth and the grace within the law. Verse 28. But I say unto you. That whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Right. So Christ brought the grace and the truth, the true understanding of the commandments and how to keep them, how to fulfill them. Read that one more time from the top, brother. Verse 28 or 27? Uh, 27, please. Verse 27. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you. That whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Right. So if you're dealing in that spirit, the Bible says you're not going to make it into the kingdom. And that's not something that somebody catches you doing. That's something that you know you're doing and the most high know. So it's not like you need somebody to come correct you on it. It's something that you have to be completely honest with yourself about. That's it. Be real with yourself. That's the one person you can't get rid of. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 and look at some of the former lusts of the flesh. First Corinthians 6 verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous will not. So these are some of the former lusts that we must refrain from, brothers and sisters. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Now, why does it say nor effeminate? Effeminate biblically means soft to the touch, soft, timid. That type of spirit is not going to make it into the kingdom uh, in regards to a man. Read that, uh, read that last part. Uh, actually, read the whole scripture, brother. Verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Why? It says abusers of themselves with mankind. Let's show you why an effeminate will not make it into the kingdom. That's a man acting like a woman. Go to Genesis 1, verse 26 to prove to you why it says an effeminate will not make it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis 1 and 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. Read that again. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So the Most High created man to be in his image. And you're misportraying the Most High's image when you're dealing like that. That's why. So you can't pattern yourself after those behaviors, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. 
after our likeness. Right, and the Most High don't act like that. So that's why an effeminate is not going to make it into the kingdom because you are supposed to be made in His image. And the mo- you're misbetraying Him. You're misbetraying Him. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 11 and 7 to go back to those former lusts. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11 and 7 to, to further buffer why an effeminate won't make it into the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 11 and 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image of, and the glory of God. He is the what? The image and the glory of God. He is the image and glory of God. So you can't be dealing in the spirit of an effeminate. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Right, so man is the image of the Most High. Don't, and the Most High didn't make man to be acting like a woman. Man was not made to lie down with another man. That's not man's purpose. Man's purpose is to lie down with a woman. That's man's purpose. Therefore, an effeminate will not make it into the kingdom in regards to a man. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. I know we're jumping here, brothers and sisters, but we got to get this. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Why does it say abusers of themselves? Because you're abusing yourself when you deal like that. When a man is wrestling another man, that's abuse. That You're working something unseemly. That's abuse. You're abusing yourself. When a woman lay down with another woman, you're abusing yourself, sister. Continue. Verse 10. Nor thieves... Nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Right. So these are the former lusts that we must keep at bay and buffet. Continue to learn, study, pray, fast. These are the ways that we don't get back into that wine of Babylon, the wine of that what the Bible calls a whore. Continue, brother. Verse 11, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Christ and the spirit of our God. Right. See, so some of us will be washed. Some of us won't go back to that. A lot of us, though, are drunk off that wine, brothers and sisters, that spiritual wine. It's a spiritual drunkenness. This is a lesson on how to be spiritually sober. Sobriety. Let's go to first Pete. No, actually, let's go to first John. Let's go to first John two and sixteen. First John two verse sixteen. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Right. See, so these are the former lusts of the flesh. Do not pick these things back up, brothers and sisters. Do not pick these things up or you're going to be taken. You're going to be taken. So you must be sober minded. 
during this time. Because Satan is looking for whom he can devour. Now think about it. If you're looking to rob somebody, which Satan is looking to rob you of your soul, and you see somebody stumbling, staggering down the street, drunk, inebriated, who logical sense says that's the person, if you're going to attack somebody, that you do attack. Because they, they're not in their right mind. So we must be in our right mind because spiritually there's a whole other realm that you can't see. And some of us, our spirit is just staggering down the street, brothers and sisters. Spiritually. If we could all see the spiritual realm, you would see a lot of people just staggering, just rolling, crawling down the street. Drunk off that wine. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Right. That's all of those things are of the world. So we must leave that behind, brothers and sisters, and continue to grow and learn and love and be patient, be compassionate. Let's go to 1 Peter 1. I'm going to read uh, 1 Peter 1 and 13 through 18. 1 Peter 1 verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy. Holy means to be sanctified and separated. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. So we must be sanctified and separated even in our conversation why because our father is the most high and he's holy continue brother verse 16 because it is written be ye holy for i am holy and if ye call on the father who without respects of persons judge according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things read that again Verse 18, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your father. Right. So, you know, we weren't redeemed by silver and gold. That's not how we were redeemed, brothers and sisters. That's not how Israel was brought back to the father. Let's show you how Galatians four and four to show you what redeemed us. Because it wasn't silver and gold. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come. When the fullness of the time. That means when our sin was at its height. When our sin was at its height, height brothers and sisters. God sent forth his son. Made of a woman. Made under the law. Made of a woman. Made under the law. Now a lot of people may use this scripture in conjunction with the virgin birth doctrine. To say, see, he was made of a woman. Virgin birth. When this is not, that's completely, you're not rightfully dividing scripture. We're going to prove you, prove that to you because we know some Christians out there are still dealing in that doctrine, that satanic spirit of a virgin birth. Read that one more time, brother. Verse four. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Right. Continue. Verse five. To redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Right. So Christ's blood redeemed us. Christ's blood redeemed us, brothers and sisters. Now, we needed to show you 
Read verse 4 one more time, brother. Verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now, we need to prove to you that, you know, that made, uh, made under a woman doesn't mean that she didn't have a, that he didn't have a father, a natural father. We're going to go to Matthew 11 and 11 to prove to you that born of a woman means born of a natural birth. That's simply what it means, brothers and sisters. But I know some people dealing in their philosophy will take that and run and then say, you know, Christ didn't have a father. Matthew 11, verse 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, that hath not risen a greater, greater than John the Baptist. Read that again, brother. Verse 11. This is Christ. Verily I say unto you. Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Right. So among them who are born of women, which really means natural birth, there hath not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Now, you must ask yourself, was John the Baptist, did John the Baptist come from a virgin birth? See? So this is how you prove that this is just talking about a natural birth. <laughs> This is how you know, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Right. Now go back to Galatians 4. Now that we have that proof, because we needed to put that out there, because somebody would start cutting up clips and stuff and try to use this. I'm going to read Galatians 4 and 4. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a, of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. We were redeemed through Christ's blood. Remember, it said, not through silver, not through gold, not through something corruptible, but through the blood of Christ. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Right. So now we need to show you the importance of remaining under Christ's blood. Let's show you the importance of remaining under Christ's blood, brothers and sisters. We're going to Hebrews 10. New Testament. We're going to read Hebrews 10 and 26. Hebrews 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Right. So if you sin willfully after you understand what the truth is and you've gone through the water, read that again. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. There remains no more sacrifice for sins, brothers and sisters. What does that mean? Go to Hebrews 9 and 27, just one chapter before to highlight and give you better understanding, better clarity, edification. Verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Right. So Christ was sent one time. It's for a man to, to live once, to, to, to die once. And that proves that reincarnation is a lie. It's a fallacy. Because if you die and come back a hundred different times, you may come back as a butterfly, as a roach, 
People are crazy, man. <laughs> which life are you supposed to be, you know, which life are you supposed to be judged by if there's reincarnation? And there's Israelites dealing with that. It was Israelites during Christ's time who believed in reincarnation, brothers and sisters. None of this is new. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 27. And as a, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment... So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Right. So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. Let's go to Hebrews 10 and 26. Go back to 10. We're going to read 26 through 31. Hebrews 10 verse 26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. So Christ was sent to the cross one time for a multitude of sins. So we must be sober-minded, physically, spiritually, in order not to be taken. Continue, brother. Verse 28. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. This is referring to, in history... If you broke Moses' law during the time, that time, in ancient time, and two or three people saw you, you died. Period. This is what this is referring to. Read it again, brother. Verse, 20, verse 28. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose he, shall he be brought, thought worthy, who, who hath trodden under the foot of son, under the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 29. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified. So, when you deal like this, you trodden over Christ and Christ's blood. You step over. You don't even want it. You don't need it. It's trodden under your feet. This is what this is saying. You have no respect. Realize that your your life was purchased for a price with Christ's blood. It wasn't free. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 29. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. And holy thing, and had done despite unto the spirit of grace. Right, so those who sin willingly, willfully, after receiving the understanding, there is no more sacrifice. You dismiss the blood when you were dis- you were bought by, you know, you were bought by a price, for a price, by Christ. And now you, you know, you're stepping over and disrespecting his blood. So bl- Christ's blood covers you, but yet you're rejecting him. This is why it's so important to be sober in the truth, brothers and sisters. This is why. Because the blood. You need to be covered in the blood. Let's go to Matthew 10 and 28. Actually, we want you to read 29 one more time, brother. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, and holy thing, and have done despite unto the spirit of grace. Read verse 30, brother, please. Verse 30. For we know him that hath said. So we know him. Who is that? The Most High. Vengeance belongeth unto me. 
I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Right. So the Most High will judge. He loves judgment. He loves judgment. Let's prove to you that you need to fear the Most High. Don't fear your friends who may not think you're you're not cool because you didn't do whatever they thought you should do at the time of where what you thought or, you know. When you're young, a lot of times you just do stuff to, to, so you can be cool for your friends. I mean, really, it's a sin. Read, read 30 one more time, brother. Verse 30. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Right now, let's show you Matthew 10 and 28. This is who you should fear, brothers and sisters. Matthew 10, verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body. Read that again. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to give, kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. See, that's who you need to fear. You need to fear the Most High. Don't fear these governments. Don't fear your pastor. Don't fear anybody out here but that, you know, that one person who can kill your body and your soul. Can kill you on earth and then kill you again afterwards. That's who we should fear, brothers and sisters. And that's how we stay in a sober, you know, somber, sober. With us, you know, dealing in sobriety. This is a way. Is to understand and realize the judgment of the Most High God. There is judgment, brothers and sisters. Don't forget that part. Let's go to Titus 2. I'm going to read verse 1. Titus 2, verse 1. Now, this is the knowledge of how we should operate as a nation. Continue, brother. Verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. The things that become sound doctrine. That's what we discuss, brothers and sisters. Verse 2. That the aged man be sober, grave. Read that again. That the aged man be sober, grave. Temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Right, the aged men should be sober. You can walk on the, you know, you go into some of these metropolitan areas, you see our brothers out there, aged men, falling down with a Jack Daniels in their back pocket. It's sad. It really is sad. It'd be noon, and they'll be walking from with a Bud Ice or something. You'll see this in our communities. Our aged men, men that's our fourth. Our grandfather, our great-grandfather's age. We see this. That's a curse. It's not normal. Read it again, brother. Verse 2. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Right. So we're talking about physical sobriety. Physical understanding of soberness. Continue, brother. Verse 3. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. None false accusers. Not false accusers. So the older women wouldn't be gossipers. Somebody just talking about what they, what they heard without any substantial evidence. Just speaking on people's names. And that's not just sisters. That's everybody. This is how you raise a nation. This is how you raise our nation. Continue. Not giving too much wine. Teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober. This is the older sisters. They would teach the young women to be sober. This is how you build up a nation. This is how you make a stout nation. Read that again, brother. Verse 4. That they may teach the young 
young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to, to love their children. Right, to love their husbands, to love their children. That's something that should be taught by the older women. Verse five. That's that's something that should be taught by the older women. And it's because we lost the Bible tells you part of the curses, Deuteronomy twenty eight, is that we lost the spirit of delicateness and tenderness to our children, to our husbands, to our wives, to each other. That was part of the curses. Read that last part again, brother. Verse four. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Right. So it seems as if we've done a complete Re- uh, reversal. We're actually doing the opposite of all of these things. And that could kind of explain why we're in the case. Maybe not us individually, but our nation of people, our people have done all of these things that is commanded for us not to come, not to do. So we want to show you that it was prophesied that we would lose that, that spirit of delicateness and tenderness towards our loved ones. We're going to Deuteronomy 28 and 53. We would have a high level of impatience and intolerance for each other. That was part of the curses, brothers and sisters. Deuteronomy 28, verse 53. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters. Now, when did this happen? This happened in 70 AD when the Romans at Masada put a wall around us. And didn't allow any food or water in or out. And we have a lesson prepared for that. And we're going to go into that on a later date. But they put a wall around us. Uh, the same way they're dealing, the, how they're trying to do America. And they didn't allow us to leave. So they trapped us in the land and didn't allow any resources in to where our people started to eat their own children. Read it again, brother. Verse 53. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body. The flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters, which the Lord thy God hath given thee in the siege and in the straightness wherewith, the, wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee. In the straightness in which thy enemy shall distress thee. How did they do that? They surrounded us. They put a wall around Masada and didn't allow any food in or out. Didn't allow us to leave. They weakened us, starved us out the same way they're doing today. Talking about putting a wall. It wasn't to keep people out. It was to keep somebody in the same way it is here. They've already done it over there, California, Texas. They've already shored up those borders, claiming that it was for what? To, to help with uh, migration issues, immigrants coming over. When we know that's a lie, because immigrants coming over is what keep the wages down. Why give somebody $50 an hour when you can give somebody $20 for the day? So they don't have a problem. Listen, the Mexicans were here before there was a border. So that's a lie that they're claiming. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 53. And and thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters, which the Lord thy God hath given thee in the siege and in the straightness wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee, so that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eyes shall be evil towards his brother and towards the wife of his bosom and towards the the remnant of his children which he shall leave. The remnant of his children which he shall leave. See? So this was prophesied that our people would have a high level of intolerance, impatience, no compassion for their own children, for their own wife, for their own husband. It was a curse that we would lose that tenderness, that delicateness, that compassion that we had for each other. 
when it's evident, brothers and sisters. Let's go to let's go to let's actually read those two scriptures again. Verse, I think that was fifty-three through. I want to read fifty-three through fifty-five. Deuteronomy 28 verse 53 And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body The flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters Which the Lord thy God hath given thee In the siege and in the straightness Wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee So that the man that is tender among you And very delicate His eyes shall be evil towards his brother And towards the wife of his bosom and towards the remnant of his children which he shall leave. Continue. So that he will not give to any of them of the flesh of his children whom he shall eat. Because he hath nothing left. He hath nothing left him in the siege. And in the straightness. Wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee in all thy gates. Now this happened to our people in 70 AD. This happened in 70 AD. Remember Christ said when you see Roman, pers- uh, Roman occupation flee into the mountains. Those who didn't flee into the mountains, this is what happened to them. This is what happened to them. And we're not going to go into it because we have a lesson completely different, you know, set up for that. So we're actually going to go back to Titus 2 and 4 through 11. We just wanted to show you that it was a curse that we would lose that delicacy, that patience, that love for our own people, including our children. Titus 2, verse 4. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Why? Why? Because why would the, the word of God be blasphemed? Because man and woman are the image of the Most High. And when it's out of order, that means that you're claiming the Most High is out of order, which is what? Blasphemy. So the older women should teach the young girls. Read it again, brother. Verse 4. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Everything we do must be a representation of Christ. We must be we must be viewed as a representative of Christ in everything we do. Verse verse six, young men likewise exhort to be sober minded. So young men be sober minded also. The aged men, the young men. This is how you build a nation. Continue. Verse seven, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So sound speech, that means our conversation should be in the heavens. It says that that when other people who are are vulgar will be ashamed when they're around you. Why? Because you're going to convert many people just by your actions, not necessarily what you're, you know, you're teaching them. It's your actions. God bless you. It, it's your actions, brothers and sisters, that'll convert somebody. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. See, no evil report of you. That's how it should be. Nobody should have anything evil to say about us. That lets you know. 
I let you know as far in, in regards to people that you deal with on a regular basis. Okay, let's go to. We have two more scriptures. Uh, let's actually read to eleven. So let's read nine, ten, and eleven also. Verse nine: Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not not prolonging, but showing all good fidelity. That they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Right. See? That grace. That's how we that's how we receive salvation by grace, because none of us deserve. If we were dealing under Moses' law, we all be dead. We all would be dead. Our moms, our dads, our everybody be dead. That's population control right there. <laughs> Brothers and sisters. So we had grace, not grace to break the law on purpose, grace to understand our liberty to get it right before the judge comes, before the bridegroom. We have two more passages, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4. First Thessalonians 5 and 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that, that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all, ye are all the children of light and so, the children of the day. Right, so we're operating in the light of Christ. We're operating in the light of Christ. We're the children of the day. Can Read that again, brother. Verse 5. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep Read as do others. Again. Read that part again. Verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep. That's a spiritual sleep, brothers and sisters, that's going on in this world. Do As do others. But let us watch and be sober. Right. Well, let us watch and be sober. Why? Because it's hard to watch for the signs when you're inebriated. It's hard to watch. You focus on something else. Your mind is wandering because you're inebriated. You're not sober. How can you watch for the signs? Read that again, brother. Verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the day. Right. So usually people drink at nighttime. So we're not going to be as those who are children of the night. We're children of the day. and We're going to act like that even at night. Read it again, brother. Verse 7. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Read eight one more time, brother. Verse eight. But let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. What's in the day? The day is the light. We're the children of the day, the children of the light, the children of Christ. Continue, brother. Verse nine. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to ob- obtain salvation by our Lord Christ. Right. So, see, so we are able to obtain, retain salvation, brothers and sisters. We're going to end it off with 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. And this was a foundational lesson for those who may not be spiritually stable. So we wanted to help aid brothers and sisters in constructing a foundation that will hold. 
We're going to read 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Read that again. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, we just do the work. All of us, brothers and sisters, all of us. This church in particular, we, that's all we want to do is we want to do the work. We don't have time to look at anybody else or talk about other camps. You don't have time to do any of that or to correct nobody. And when you're doing the work, you don't have time for any of that. You're just doing the work. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Right. Your work is not in vain, brothers and sisters. Sisters have different work. Brothers have other work. We all have work. Children have work also. We all have work to do, brothers and sisters. A lot of the sisters deal in administration. They, you know, they're dealing in charity. Because why? Charity is the number one gift. According <clears throat> to the Most High. Charity. That's it. That's how you get blessings. A lot of the sisters are dealing with charity. A lot of them are dealing with, you know, sharing information to the Mosa. A lot of them are dealing with administration, putting on uh, feasts and things for, for the brothers. A lot of the brothers are dealing in, uh, of course, reading, learning, sharing, teaching. Of course, with their work, you know, on the streets and their charity, you know, giving back to, you know, the community. So everybody have work to do. Children have a work to do, which is to follow their parents. That's their job. And everybody turns out well. So we want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.